Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. They call themselves The Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone. Trunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. Hello and welcome to Children of the 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies from the 1980s. I'm Jamie. And I'm Liana. And we're here to talk to you tonight about The Goonies. So, Liana, what was your childhood experience of The Goonies? Well, there wasn't one, really. It was a film that everybody talked about and I sort of heard good things, but I never got to see it. So I was quite interested to see it when it finally came around, because there's always that sense as a kid, when everyone else has seen it and you haven't, that you're kind of missing out on something good. I still have that sense as an adult. About missing a movie or yeah, about yeah, this yeah. movie in particular? Not so much. No, I've, I've, I've gotten over missing The Goonies, which I also missed. But in general, I, I think everybody has that sense of missing out. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, you know, in those days too, it, it wasn't like if you missed it, you could kind of catch up on it easily, right? You... You might have to wait for it to go to VHS. That could be years down the track. And then you'd have to rent it. You have to rent it. You know, you couldn't, like, look up the plot synopsis. You couldn't, you know, so... It was a dark time. That's right. You really did feel like you'd missed out. I mean, the good news is, however, that uh, now upon reflection, I don't think I missed out at all. Yeah, so um, so let me say that I also did miss out on the Goonies. And, and like you, I heard a lot about it. and People did talk about it, but uh, I didn't get to see it. Um, as a general rule, if, if my parents weren't interested in it, then it was pretty much a birthday party or, or nothing. And in this case, it was nothing. So I was also seeing the Goonies for the first time. And um, yeah, it was not at all what I was expecting, to be honest. So let's kind of just cover off on a key, few key facts. Mid-80s film, 1985. That was a good year. Uh, yeah, great year. Great year. Lots of good things happening. Um, I, I mean, I think what's really interesting about this, not, not only that, of course, the screenplay was written by... Your good friend and mine, Chris Columbus. Oh, right. He's, good um, name. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, Do you think it's a different one? Uh, look, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, there, there's there's some ancient references in this film, some <laughs> exactly. seafaring references, so yeah, you know, anything's it, possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other interesting thing is that Spielberg's name is associated with this film, perhaps not for the reasons you might hope, because uh, he, he kind of came up with a story, and he is the executive producer, but he was not the director. Um, the director was Richard Donner. And mm. I have to say, uh, you know, for me, the biggest feature of this film seemed to be just kind of a whole lot of improv. It felt yeah. like the kids, most of the time, were just kind of making it up as they went along. It felt like they had made this movie by constructing a lot of sets, and then they had like 45 minutes to shoot the whole thing. Yes. So they just kind of had them all. We also run had a theory it. that as you kind of get to the, the 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 and really the sets get kind of fancier and fancier as you go. Yeah. No, they were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that, that at the end it really felt like the whole thing had been con- constructed almost uh, with the Disney ride in mind as they shoot through a giant water slide right yes. at the end. It, it yes. felt like, hang on, you know, which came first? A little bit kind of current. Pirates of the Caribbean, numero dos. Yeah, I did have a bit of that feeling to it. Um, but, I mean, let, let's just kind of reflect. When, you, when, the, when the film opens, 
there's a number of things that happen. You know, we know in any film, um, good filmmakers give you a lot of information quickly, right? They're doing setup yeah. um, through the first, yeah, yep. first few kind of um, scenes. And the thing that really strikes you, I guess, is two things that struck me uh, that kind of leap out at you. One is that this is a miserable kind of setting, right? Everything, yes. the, the, the colour of the film is kind of dark and grim. The weather is bad. There's a lot of mud. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty sort of um, miserable. And then the other so, thing... So I have, sorry, I have oh, a theory gone. about this, by the way. So this was filmed in Astoria, Astoria, Oregon. Um, Liana's Australian, so she wasn't sure if she, they met Astoria, Queens, or Astoria, Oregon, but I'm pretty sure it's Oregon. No, it, it is, but like just at the beginning, I didn't yeah, know no, that. Yeah, no, no, right. no, no, that's 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 fair enough. And um, I just that's what the weather is like in, in on on the Oregon coast, and I just think they got there and they waited a couple of days and thought, you know what, if we're ever going to make this movie, we just have to get on and start filming. Yeah, so, that's that's fair enough. But I mean, it's not like that was out of keeping with no, the, that's with true. the opening kind of yeah, you know. Um, mood anyway so the other thing that really kind of strikes you is there's just sort of idiots left right and center a lot of idiots high idiot content in this movie so you know a couple of examples the mother who is incapable of opening the window when she is providing the getaway vehicle for her sons after a robbery the kid who smushes his face up against the window in excitement and you know smears his ice cream all over the window yeah. Other things. That... Yeah. So can I just say? So I do want to say for those of you who may not remember, uh, you may not remember this because actually it never comes back with the movie. But it starts with a jailbreak. So the mum from the the criminal family and and the brother break the other brother out of jail. And I waited the whole movie for this to be some kind of plot point that they were off looking for the criminals or what they. And I think it was entirely to establish that these are bad guys, right? It, it had nothing to do with anything else. And, and sort of stupid and unsympathetic, yes. right? They're yeah. really kind of unsympathetic characters, generally. Yeah. And Which then made me feel thing... bad, because I did like Martha Plimpton as the mother. I, I, I think she has a lot of talent, and uh, she was not, not well used in well. that role. The, the other thing that you see early on is the appearance of a Rube Goldberg device. I did like this, yes. So why don't you give us a bit of a sense for... So, yeah, so the um, the kids, the Goonies, of whom there are, I think, eight. I never quite figured out how many they there were and, and who they were. So they're a little bit lazy, so they don't like to open the gate uh, to the house to let people in. So this complicated contraption whereby, you know, they pull a string and water spills down and causes something to overflow, and it's, it's quite elaborate. But the thing that did occur to me as I was watching it is that the machine relies on having a goose lay an egg, or maybe just chicken. a chicken, chicken. Yeah, having a chicken lay an egg in order to trigger part part of the... Um, you don't think it's very practical? Device. Look, I think it's kind of a once-a-day kind of thing. I was thinking we might get something like that set up, you know... Just yeah, just just out front there? Yeah. Yeah. I also, don't, I, don't, I also don't think that's how chickens work. I don't think they get startled and just an egg pops out as a result. Well, you're a guy. What would you know? Yeah, it's true. Not so, you know, I mean, I think you have this sense of premonition when the Goldberg device appears that this is not going to be the only time you see such kind of no, um, that's, that's shenanigans. Good. And one of, actually, I think one of the kind of most interesting characters is Data, played by Jonathan K. Huey Kwan. Oh, he went, I mean... Well, you know, he yeah. was in Indiana Jones. Do really? you remember? He was the kid in Indiana Jones. In the second one. 
Yes, uh, he was, Short Round, I believe, was his name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so okay. he he was yeah he was in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom that one. Yeah, and he was great in that one. Those so did come he out a while ago. Familiar, he, may, right? he may have cooled off since then. Well, and of course there were some other people who you know who did Corey Feldman, Josh yep. Brolin. Yep. You know a few people who I think are part of why this film is a cult film. So the film is a cult film, and I have to say, I wouldn't want to watch it again. No, I th- I think. I mean, there are some films that. Like, I remember watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which we might come back to at another time, or that's early 90s. Mm. And the first time I saw that, I thought, this is a dreadful film. And then... So it grew on you. Oh, the more you watch it, the better it gets. It's yeah. sort of great. But th- I don't think this is going to happen. I mean, there was a point in the middle, and in fact, we were almost about to just say, like, we can't do it. It was the point at which the kids, and there just seem to be kids everywhere, are screaming kind of just constantly. There's so a lot of shouting. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of shouting, a lot of screaming in this movie. So there, as a parent these days watching this film, the kids are actually in kind of pretty significant danger at key points in time, like uh, in a yes. very scary situation yes. with dead bodies, murderers, all sorts of so, stuff. So I, th- I think we need to get just frame up a little bit of plot for, for people who may not have recently watched watched the movie. So basic premise, these kids are called the Goonies because they live in the Goondocks, uh, a part of Astoria, Oregon. And the bank is about to foreclose on their house or one of their houses um, in order to build all of a their golf houses. course. All, all of their, their houses. houses. So, yeah. so the, 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 they, they're called the Goonies because they live in the Goondocks, right? Yep. And and the idea is that all of them kind of are, are at risk, right? So they're fighting for their community against the yuppies yeah. who are coming. Yeah. So, which, which by the way, um, it's not really how foreclosure works. I don't think you, you can't just foreclose on, on, on something just in order to, to, to build the golf course. But details, details. Yeah. But so so basically, they they go to this setup to establish that the kids need to find some money to save their town. And if they can't say if they can't kind of pay off the mortgage, they'll have to move away and never see each other again. So they go rummaging through the attic of the house, which for complicated reasons, someone's a museum director or something, but has priceless artifacts yes <laughs> clearly worth more than the uh, whatever this uh, the mortgage on the house is um so the kids rummage through that and and actually destroy dozens of priceless artifacts um, looking for something and of course what do they find but a treasure map of one-eyed willie the old pirate which was never found and so you can see where this is headed. the treasure was never found the treasure sorry, the treasure yeah. was ever never found they've got the map and so, of course, they go off on an adventure to try to find, uh, try to find the map. And that's basically the whole movie is them looking for this treasure, and they have a misadventure and end up with uh, the bad guys looking for them, chasing them. And the bad guys are bad and scary. Yeah, yeah, no, they're 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 bad guys. And they're sort of they're in the bad guys' hideout is an old restaurant that itself is kind of scary. There's a lot of kind of scary stuff. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. You know, corpses in the freezer, and then as they find their way through into getting closer to the treasure, yes, which is so they they go down through the fire grate into a cavern under the restaurant. Yeah, so apparently there are these huge tunnels running underneath Astoria, Oregon, which I was I was unaware of, and uh, they 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 spent basically the. Uh, la- most of the movie is spent exploring these and coming across traps and, and that sort lots of thing. Lots of booby traps. Lots I, of booby traps and lots of Rube Goldberg booby yes. traps set by this pirate. I, sorry, just one thing that maybe it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but that, that really just didn't it's, make it's sense It's been 35 to me. years. I think we can spoil the ending. For so 
they go through this incredibly complex series of booby traps and then ultimately they not only find the treasure but they find the dead they find the skeleton of the guy who like of the pirate who had the treasure yes who himself has set a booby trap so that's the other thing that's confusing is sort of the idea that there's all these skeletons sitting around a you know a dining table as if that's sort of how you so, would yeah, so, so die. Way, yeah, so the way this movie, the way this must have worked is One-Eyed Willie sailed his pirate ship full of gold to Astoria, by the way, and just strewed the gold everywhere around the ship, didn't sort of put it in a chest or anything, built these elaborate booby traps in this long tunnel system, and then just sat w- down... Walked back and, and... Walked back, sat down at the and, table and died. And died with all his, with all his pirate buddies yeah. um, when there was a way out. So, you know, just some stuff that didn't make any sense at all. The other thing about these booby traps, and this is actually a common complaint of mine in any adventure-type movie, is there are a lot of booby traps which will only work once in their entire history. Yes, well, and that was the case, because, I mean, yes. many Rube Goldberg kind of contractions yeah. have a bit of that, right? You've got, like, somebody's got to put the bowling ball in or whatever. Yeah, yeah, So, So in this case, the kids... They go through a tunnel and these giant boulders fall down on top of them. Well, that's that's the only time that'll yes. ever happen. Yep. Then there's another one where they have to play a piano in a certain sequence. And a piano made out of bones. And I have to say, I play the piano, and uh, the, the the kid who was there trying to you know deduce that this was a sharp. My hat off to her, frankly, because looking at the piano, I it could not have hard, worked yeah, that out. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't play the bone piano. Obviously. No, no, yeah. clearly. But you know, the interesting thing is, it's not like this movie is kind of gone and forgotten. So on Facebook two days ago, you know, we're, we're of course recording this in the time of Corona and, uh, you know, families everywhere looking for movies, looking for things to do. So somebody put out the call to Facebook, tell me, you know, what great movies would be family friendly. And somebody said, you know... The Goonies. I love that movie as a kid. We watch it all the time. It's it's the best. They still watch it and they still like it. And I, I can imagine remembering well, this movie. Well, I, I did. I did reach out and say, uh, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. You know, we're doing a podcast. I haven't quite had the same reaction. No response. So, so I don't know. So let me bring up a couple of other things. First of all, there are a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Kids there, everywhere. There, there are too many kids. In too this many movie. kids. You can't get track of them all. Yeah, I I, I still can't really remember. There's there's one. There's one, there's one who split off from the rest of the group due to happenstance who yelled a lot, and I can remember that one. And everybody else was kind of just a big mob. Kind well, of they've sort of... There's, a, there, there's definitely playing to some stereotypes, right? So there's the... It's unusual for a 1980s movie, but I guess it happened. The, yeah. the delicately named Chunk. Yep, yep. Who is... Kids can be cruel. Yeah, yeah who is, is sort of, you know, parodied for his rotund figure and love of ice cream. Mm. There is the Chinese-speaking kid who's named Data and who has... He's the builder of the devices, but not only does he build the Rube Goldberg device, but he also, you know, carries upon yeah, his person batteries and, you know, flashlights that pop out. And there... Actually, I have to say, my favourite scene in the whole movie is the bit where he's trying... They're very close, the bad guys, who sort of seem to move disproportionately quickly to catch up to them mm. and they're on a log and they've got to you know cross the ravine with the rushing water underneath and he says wait you know data says i got an idea and he says slippery shoes and at which point he deploys as you would the uh oil jets 
at the back of his sneakers. Very practical. Very practical. I have a, I have a pair of these myself. And, fact. you know, the unwitting bad guys slip on the yeah. log and fall over. But, you know, how many other circumstances in which would, would slippery, slippery shoes, shoes be, be uh, helpful? Well, you only, it only takes once. You'd, you'd rather have it and not need it. Yeah. Than need it and well, I might, it. I, might, I might kind of look into it in so, future. So, so I also want to talk about genre because this is... Watching this film, I realized that this used to see a lot more movies like this, the adventure genre, right? There were more films for... I mean, I suppose 14-year-old boys are still kind of the target market for films, but I feel like there were more films for kids as a group. Well, I think that's... It's hard now. Like, we, we it, it's hard to find... I, I think that's right, but I, but, but I also do just think... So, to me, Raiders of the Lost Ark is always going to be the, the, the quintessential adventure movie, right? It's where someone is looking for something... And there are usually caves and traps and pits and things like that. And this movie felt a lot like a sort of kids' version of Raiders and Lost Ark. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Definitely but, was. But I, but I feel like that genre has kind of gone away. Well, see, I think it's just been replaced by um, superhero stories, ah, which okay. are, you know, essentially the same kind of plot, but a little bit better tested and have characters that are well known right i mean i think we're at the point here now where movie making is you know an enterprise that people and movie studios you know want to invest in known commodities and they don't want to have to do the marketing the branding so yep fair enough so this is this is a pre-franchise movie right there's nothing called the goonies you never heard of any of the definitely yep and and this film did well it cost weirdly it only cost them 19 million to make uh you can see that but it grossed 124 million worldwide that's a lot for 1985 yeah yeah, um, and uh, the film was pre- selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. Is that a big deal? Is that well? Is that a thing? The Library of Congress called it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. <laughs> I think it's probably historically significant. I mean, if, maybe if I had to pick one of those three things, I mean, there's a pirate ship in it. Yeah, yeah, and and you, we talked earlier about the set design. I mean, the set designers had had an absolute field day, right? They got to. This is why it just felt like a Disney set, though, like a, a Disney ride, because there is a giant pirate ship. There's kind of there's gold water, everywhere. There's a water slide. There's a water slide, yeah, sort of in the rocks, and and there's lots of skeletons with Many skeletons. with you know eye patches and and so on and so forth. Yeah, now it did feel a little bit like. Uh, it did feel connected to Pirates of the Caribbean. The set, the weird thing about the sets is the first half of the movie felt like it cost about $50 to make, right? They're clearly filming in somebody's house in Astoria, and then they're filming in an abandoned building. And then suddenly they get into these very elaborate underground cave systems. So I don't know, maybe somebody showed up with a check when they'd already shot half of it and they thought, well, might as well just keep going at this point. Yes. They also, I mean, it also didn't feel like they'd paid a lot for the screenwriters, because there just didn't seem to be a lot of dialogue. I'm not sure there were any screenwriters. It was just a lot of, you know, okay, kids, act scared, and then the kids would just kind of run around screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were also some, like, slightly off-kilter things where the the little brother ends up kissing the big brother's Like the 9-year-old kisses the 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, so look, I think I think some 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 interesting uh, aesthetic choices were made over over the course of this this movie. So, what do you uh, like about this film? What do I like about this film? So, I like I got into it by the end when they finally get to the pirate ship in this 
huge underground cave in Astoria, Oregon, which somehow connects to the sea but has never been found before. That that bit was all a bit confusing to me, but I'll I'll, I'll always be happy seeing somebody break into the you know throne room of a pirate ship covered with gold and skeletons. That 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 ticks a box for me. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. My favorite bit of the film was at the end when they they have the gold all in their clutches and then you know they they're forced to walk the plank by the bad guys and they lose it <laughs> except at the very end well so they they they're reunited with their parents though which is great so they're sort of saved from peril and they're reunited with their parents I, I was, it was interesting to note that all of the families who came were nuclear families which you sort of got to imagine in the 80s in a situation of you know reasonable yeah. poverty may not have been reflective of reality but i just sort of thought that was interesting and all kind of loving relationships the parents reuniting mm. with the kids and sort of the sense that you know none of this matters we'll get through this what's important is that we're all together so that yes. was sweet and then of course right at the end uh it turns out that one of the kids has somehow managed um to bring a giant bag of the, f- the fakest looking gems you've ever seen they did look like something you'd put a quarter in a one of those things outside a grocery store, and it would kind of spiral down. Yes, and yes. so the day is saved. The, yeah, the day is saved. Um, the motivation of the bad guys was always a bit murky to me. Um, they seemed to be there basically because they needed some bad guys to chase the kids. But there, there's the mum and the and 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 the two son, two adult sons. And at first, they seemed to be chasing the boys because the boys had seen the dead body of the person they killed and they're chasing the boys but then they're after the treasure and i think because it's a kids movie it was kind of unclear what the plan was so they're chasing them the whole time there's a lot of shaking you know fists and you know i'll get you kind of stuff there was you pesky kids yeah and then at the end they capture them and they make them jump off the pirate ship into the water and they just swim to shore and walk away now the one other character we've not talked about yet was the brother who um, the the third brother? Yes. Um, who had been chained up. Yes. Watching TV, and it's sort of ambiguous. He has craniofacial deformity, awkwardly sculpted. Yes. But then it's sloth, sort of right? sloth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so initially he sort of presents as this non-verbal yeah, yeah. and and frightening, but then in fact he starts to talk through it, which is quite confusing. Yeah. yeah. But he he befriends Chunk. Because Chunk shares a baby Ruth, baby Ruth with him, yeah, and uh, and at the end of it, baby uh, Chunk says that he's going to move in with him. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So there you go. Happy endings. Yep, happy, happy endings. Please catch the bad guys. The day is saved. The other thing that was odd about this was, and again, this comes back to this this bone I have to pick with the traps and you know the things things that have held up for hundreds of years. But at the end, bad guys touch some gold, which causes the pirate ship thing to do something. Oh yes. And you never really see this, but apparently, like a wall of the cave falls away, and the pirate ship sails. That's <laughs> no, because the they distance. throw a stick of dynamite, thinking it's a candle. I don't think that. I, I think something else happens. No, no, that's what's meant to have happened. Like, like okay. so, then the thing, you know, one blast is meant to have had the whole thing crumbling. Anyway, but he's gone. So this is a 17th century pirate. So this is, you know, this is a, at best, 300-year-old sailing ship, under full sail. The sails look great. That just manages to. Just sail off into the distance. And everybody just sort of says, ah, oh, Yeah, that's a shame. Like, no one gets the dinghy and yeah. goes and gets the treasure, which is still on the ship. Priceless historical <laughs> artifact. Yes. Um, it's silly. Well, but, there we have it. So, so 
there how, it is. How, how would you sum up the Goonies, Leona? I would sum it up as I didn't miss anything <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. Oh, I think I missed something as a kid because other people talked about it. it would have yeah, been good and, to be part you know, of the and I think, but... I think it would be very interesting to see how this resonated as a kid. I wonder whether there was some stuff there that, you know, as a kid you saw kids like – kids your age like having a real adventure and kind of taking charge and getting into genuine danger and smooching people and stuff which might have made it seem much more fun and and I think also as a kid like there is nothing more fun than being in a gang of kids kind of running around your neighborhood after dark right with different age kids like just that sense of kind of freedom and adventure that that uh you know you you never got to do that much or I didn't get to do that much but like loved it pirate ship (laughs) <laughs> no, but, you know, just that sense no, no, of no. kind of being yep. a gang. And so I think that was probably a big part of it too and a big part of its appeal. So I think maybe as a kid I would have loved it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's our wrap on the Goonies. I share your view. I think uh, its moment might have come and gone before I ever saw it. Um, I agree. It's not one of those ones I'm going to watch again and again. But, uh, look, I feel like I filled in a filled in a gap in my cultural knowledge. So. Well, well worth a watch. If well, that's it from us. We're signing out. Thank you, and be sure to tune in to the next episode of Children of the Years.